there's like two sides and I didn't know which exit. So I picked one exit and then on Lyft, it looked like I had to be on the other side. And then my Lyft arrived and they were on the other Sorry. side. Were you so, by the side with the stairs or the side? I was initially by the stairs and it looked like he was going to come on the other side. And so it ran over there and then he ended up being where I was already. So. <laughs> and in the rain too. Yeah, so I was like running around today, but it's okay. I need the cardio. I've been like in bed all winter. <laughs> cool. Welcome, Isabel Bugsick. Yes. Thank you for coming on. I'm pretty excited for this episode, <laughs> especially I have this magazine right in front of me. But before we get into this magic, yes. can you please share uh, some of your pieces? Sure. Um, so I. I don't consider myself a writer or a poet or anything. It's just, like, for myself. Um, so it was, like, really scary to post anything when I first did on my Instagram. Mm. But this was, like, the first piece that um, got a lot of, I guess, feedback. And it was really affirming and validating. So I will read that. Cool. So this is called A Love Letter. To my future lover, soulmate partner in crime against the patriarchy, best friend, confidant, accomplice, Mahal. I'm here, not waiting for you, no. I would not disrespect you or me by sitting idly in a stagnant state, but I am here, growing myself, growing into the person who will be ready to welcome you into my life, ready to embrace all your beauty, sorrows, dreams, you have not yet arrived, and that's okay. We both don't deserve to, to come into each other's lives when we are still undercooked, half-baked, unfulfilled. But don't get me wrong. We will and should never be complete and done growing, even when our time comes to join us together. When the universe guides us to one another, we will aid in each other's growth, in each other's journeys. It's incredibly exciting to think of the grand potential and magic we would create when our energies, our souls, drift towards each other. I can already see the universe within your eyes, the infinite space for creation reflecting back at me. I know I already love you. Just hold on a bit longer. Don't lose focus. The string that ties us together is getting shorter and shorter. Don't you feel the electricity in the air? The atmosphere isn't ready to contain our majestic union. You and I will be grand. You and I? I like the sound of that. I like the sound of us forming between my lips, where yours will soon meet mine. Hey, snap, snap, snap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever said it out loud in front of anyone else besides my phone. <laughs> uh, so, really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you don't do like open mics? No, I'm always like fantasizing about it, but like I never do it. But I love going to open mics and it's been a while since But I've you wrote a whole <laughs> little booklet of poetry just, prose. Just to get like any kind of money I could to raise money for my laptop. But that was it. <laughs> could you... Give us a little background of why you made that. I remember sure. seeing all about your laptop yeah. and things. You're the one who also sold the stickers? Yes. Is that right? Cool. Yes. So yes. Um, I had written some stuff. I think I started writing like two years ago. 
Um, and it was really just for myself to kind of process thoughts and things happening in my life. Um, and I just had collected a few pieces over those two years. And I thought, well, I have some pieces that I could just put together. And I got some feedback that people liked what I was writing, which is really cool. Um, and my laptop broke down on me and died, like, mm. right as I was finishing up my brown papaya magazine. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, right when I'm about to finish. So, um, But you didn't lose your... No, things. I saved everything. Like, I learned okay. in college to save and have two backups, at least, of all my work. But um, Wait, so it was saved on an external? Yes, or, I had But you lost drive. everything in the computer? Yeah, I couldn't get anything. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it just would not turn on anymore. And I'm like, why? What is going on? And so I checked it in at the Apple Store. Um, I just couldn't get anything back. So, But I was cool because I knew like I had everything backed up. Oh um, my gosh, yeah. I need to start backing up <laughs> things really on this should. computer. I learned the hard way in college. Um, but yes, like at least two backups, but, um, yeah, so I was trying to see if I could like, like I had some money saved up, um, but I figured like, hmm, why not? Let me see if I can like get some money from selling some of my art. Um, and then people like were really cool to support me. And like, I got quite a good feedback of like people, um, purchasing my, um, poetry and some sticker or photo shoots that I was offering. Mm. Um, but yeah. So and then you did why. those stickers, uh, the St. Louis World's Fair. Yeah, so right? that was um, to raise money for. Um, I was volunteering with a uh, with Lead Filipino, and they were hosting the Five Pen Eyes Leadership Summit. Um, and so last year, um, we were ra- each um, organizing committee member had to raise a certain amount of money, and so I decided, oh, I, let me like see if I could sell these stickers because I was thinking about doing that. Um, and that was actually a good response too. So that was really cool. And I initially designed that as a big screen print, screen print poster, um, for a class in college. Mm. Yeah. I'm actually able to know a lot of this because I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us why your name is unconventional bliss? <laughs> sure. So that name I came up with like right before college. So what is that? 2012, September, 2012. Um, and I was just thinking of a name for a blog and what's like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I guess I was felt at the time I was kind of like unconventional and not like with the norm, but maybe that's just what I was thinking. I don't know. I'm trying to be different. And then <laughs> bliss, like trying to find, like, I felt like I had really eccentric, um, interests and hobbies so um i kind of like put that together and it was kind of like open-ended so i could um have it open to whatever i might post on my blog and i haven't been as active on the blog as much um because over the years i've still been like not sure what type of content or direction that could be so brown papaya was really cool to be able to be super focused on what content what that contact looks like and what like the visuals are and all that stuff. Okay, so before we dive into this awesome yes. magazine, Brown Papaya, can you give us uh, an overview of like your interests and like what you see yourself as a creative? Because I looked over your uh, blog mm-hmm. and also I've just been following you. Yeah. I actually don't really know how I found <laughs> you. That's one of the things we were just talking yeah. about, right? Like. And this is the thing of the internet. I sometimes yes. forget how I find certain people. Mm-hmm. Like some of the folks I have had on this podcast, like Dre Hu and some folks that I just connected through 
social media i totally forget how yeah and who referred me or whatever but i've been following you for a minute and then you do a lot of like photography fashion and i think this really caught my attention but when i looked into your website you had a lot of design things mm -hmm. too like is that what you went to school for Yes, yeah, so I double majored in design and technocultural studies in Wait, technical? UC Davis. Yeah, so cool. that's like, what is that? So it's technocultural studies. <laughs> Techno? <laughs> and so I was actually the last batch. Um, there's no more of that once I graduated. They combined really? that with film studies. So it's now called cinema and digital media, which is a little more self-explanatory of what that is. So um, it was kind of all over the place, um, but I really loved it. Um, so I took classes in... Um, in experimental cinema, like video making, one in how, like more lecture theory based of how technology impacts society. I took um, experimental audio classes um, oh. and I loved that. That was really fun. What would you do in the experimental um, audio classes? So we would learn things like soundscapes um, and just like really eccentric experimental artists and what they've done and um, listen to their pieces, um, things how, um, Audios kind of like played around and um, mixed together to make to make you really think about like what whatever that artist like focuses on. Like um, there was one that kind of took a sound of a recording in a room and um, it was like played back over and over. I think like it was a, they recorded that sound and then they recorded the recording of that sound. They kept like um, rec like recording like layers of it to kind of like play on like the static and kind of. Um, hear like the little graininess or the little like uh, things in the room or like soundscapes where you're recording like um, you're there's I forget the name of the artist but there's one artist who kind of like um, focuses on nature and um, records let's say the sound of rivers or the sound of leaves rustling and kind of like makes that as their art piece um, to kind of like give that sense of nature and like um, kind of put you in that space or um how different artists kind of play with um, giving a tour of a space. So they'll use audio to kind of tell um, a tourist, oh, over here, you see this, take this many steps um, to go to this location. Um, or it, it was oh, just like really all cool. over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really cool because um, the teacher, she wasn't like the permanent teacher. She was kind of like a guest teacher. And I really loved her. Like she really opened my eyes to what... Um, audio could do like really um eccentrically and really experimental um and allow me to kind of play in that space that I've never explored before and that allowed mm. me to really appreciate um sound engineering and like the art of audio and especially movies because I love movies too mm -hmm. so that's some, mm -hmm. something that I like really pay attention to now um and kind of play around with my voice too um because we got to use uh, or a lot of projects we kind of like used our voices for whatever little assignment that was um and so it kind of like one of my favorite pieces was um one of my final projects for the second class or there are two classes um and so my big project was kind of um this experience I wanted to make where I would have everyone like in a circle linked arms sitting on the ground and I would have the lights turned off and I would take them through this experiment experience of um the Igorot tribes um today and like how um there's like 
military um, coming in and like affecting the schools and that experience of the fear that children would experience. So I would have like sounds of um, like people stepping in the grass and you'd hear that or you'd hear um, audio clips of an interview that I pulled from on YouTube to kind of you could hear that dialect of someone speaking to get you in that space of that um, region and then like gunshots kind of. It was all complete darkness. Um, they, I mean, it wasn't they were, like they were closing their eyes. And yeah, I had them close close their eyes, and it was a darkened room. There's still light coming in from yeah. like somewhere, but um, I wanted to create that experience um, to really get them into that space, just because of I was inspired by a lot of um, art pieces that we were shown in that class, um, and creating that experience was also inspired by some stuff that I was involved with in the film community as well, because there were like simulations um, that we did that kind of inspired me because if you put yourself in like an experience or a simulation, you get more of an impact um, than just like listening to something or like reading something. So I was kind of like really playing around and really experimenting with stuff. Um, and I kind of miss that. Um, but that's one of the things that I was doing in my audio class. So technocultural studies was very all over the place, but I loved it um, because we also, we did a radio class too. So we were um, in uh, on air once a week for uh. a quarter um, and we'd be in groups and we would tackle like different topics. Uh, so we could do like a story or interview students for a particular topic that we wanted to do. And the last project was a radio drama. So we would have a story um, and write that script ourselves. And um, the previous weeks we would have to record our sound effects or whatever. But for this last project, we had to have live sound. So we would have to bring in the props and like do what? all that stuff. This so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I so I, what the heck? <laughs> I know I, that was one of the, I had no idea that was there. I was thinking like, what do I want to double major in besides design? Because I had like a lot of time, like extra, because the that major was so impacted, mm -hmm. and so um, I had so much like in the first two years, like I was taking like GEs, and I was like almost done with my GEs. So I was like, okay, what can I fill my time with? Um, and so I was thinking, do I want to do communications? Do I want to do, I was thinking film studies. Do I want to do textile? Um, and then I was thinking all that. And then when I was looking again, um, I was thinking film studies, but then on that same page, there was technocultural studies and I never noticed that. I was reading the classes and I was like, this is really cool and interesting. And I feel like it would go well with design just because it was like really mm. digital media focused. Mm -hmm. Um, is the yeah. design major at mm -hmm. Davis uh, like theoretical more so? Um, so it's a mix. The higher um, upper division classes were more studio hands-on mm. classes. And what was cool about Davis is that they offered fashion design classes, um, exhibition design, um, which is like museum interior design. Then there's like interior architecture design and then graphic design. Um, and so they opened it up so that you weren't like for forced to um, choose like from this group of design classes you oh, can pick and choose so you can kind of build your own specific yeah. major within design yes based on what your specific interest is yeah uh, what did you focus in graphic design uh, yes. and I see your portfolio <laughs> which yeah. needs to be updated and I'm working on it so that's like super outdated and yeah but that's yes that's my design portfolio are those from school like um, when you were like so yes most of it are, is uh there a lot of them are art 
class projects that's why i want to update because <laughs> i got um brown papaya to put on there um so yeah everything from everything except the first um project they're all school <laughs> the design for social good caught my eye i was reading through it and i i like designing things yeah. like clothing things like that and this is another level of intentionality <laughs> behind yeah. and like explanations and like the research mm -hmm. uh, kind of structure mm -hmm. of findings and all that stuff. I was like, whoa, this is dope. <laughs> and seeing the kind of effort put behind like a project within mm -hmm. design and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of dope to see and dope to learn that there's different methods of like putting a project together mm -hmm. and then you really identify yourself as like a multi DIY queen <laughs> like that like and I could relate to that I remember mm -hmm. doing a lot of just at home projects just yeah. messing around I have a bunch of like DIY stuff there and it'll look like I'm a hoarder with oh, all, yeah, the, like, wood, all the projects I can save this screw this oh my gosh I'm gonna say I have a drawer <laughs> of like random stuff so, <laughs> just saved yeah. up and I went to the Museum of Modern Art mm -hmm. and I was thinking there was this construction this installation of all bike parts mm -hmm. like right in the entrance and I was thinking whoa execution and creating a project is what separates artists from hoarders it's just like that's <laughs> yeah. the only thing like this I'm, I'm close i'm borderline to hoarding if i yeah. don't finish like some of these projects that i have built up like but i could feel that um there's this like sell the driving you to like create 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 right mm -hmm. where does that energy come from and how do you decide then like what to do with it because um, you have a whole range of stuff mm -hmm. and uh, yeah where do you go hmm. so the drive comes in waves <laughs> so there are moments where i'm like oh i got all these ideas i really need to push this out like do something and then other moments like right like in this period um where i just want to consume art and like re mm. refresh and replenish myself um because i feel like i was putting out like a lot um, and I was focusing on, like, one project for a year. Um, and so it's been great, like, right now of, like, watching movies, TV shows, like, trying to read again. Um, but the moments where I do have this high drive to create, it's, like, um, I guess it comes from um, not being challenged creatively, like, on the day-to-day. -day. And so um, this want to push myself to challenge my own creativity is... I guess where my drive is and um, just seeing people that I follow or the artists um, that I respect. Um, it's like, I love what they're doing and I'm inspired by them. And I just, and I, maybe I'll like have an idea from some theme that they put out or some type of technique that they use. And I get um, ideas start like bubbling up or like, um, I wonder like, hmm, I'm interested in this topic or exploring this theme. Um, let me see how I could like, push that out and how would that look like um what what outcome would that be so it'll come the drive comes from me not being challenged like creatively all the time at work um and so i want to be doing something to push myself um on my own um if i'm not getting that like from my typical nine to five let me do that outside of that mm. um 
And also, um, Brown Papaya was amazing because I was able to connect with people, new people, and I was craving that to connect with other artists, other creatives, um, and just um, have conversations and dialogues about important topics. Um, because in college, I was that was something that I really loved, having dialogues and conversations about social issues or things that I was um, passionate about. And I wasn't getting that as much um, now that I had graduated. Um, and so I think that was, for that project in particular, I, I was thinking, what do I want to get out of this project? Um, what can I see myself um, being passionate about for a long time? And what? how can I be helping at least one other person because of this, whatever I'm doing? Like, how can I make an impact or something? Like, what? how would that, like, affect someone who views this piece? Mm. Yeah. So, perfect segue. Can you please <laughs> get into what inspired this project, Brown Papaya, What, how it developed, what your process was in creating it, mm -hmm. and all the steps to where we are now here with this final project of a... Uh, so it's accessible online on mm -hmm. Isu Isu I don't know how to yes. Isu I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know either <laughs> actually say that it's, it's spelled Isu yeah right um, and then oh, there's also these physical copy that, copies that are available can you please step me through like how this all came to be yeah so um, it was so the idea started at the end of my internship with Kaiser Permanente mm. um, I think summer 2017 um and it was coming to the end of it um and i had less of a workload at the time and so i wasn't as busy so my mind was more free to wander um and i was also taking bart to travel all the way to oakland um and that would, could be like about an hour from from Malpitas? yes oh. so <laughs> yeah so Um, and that was where you were interning at Kaiser? Yes, in Oakland. Yeah. So um, I had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to like just let my mind wander. Um, and I have been wanting to do some personal project ever since I graduated. But during college, like I'm always busy with extracurriculars or school projects. PCN? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so um, now that my internship was um, getting lighter in workload, um, my mind was like, okay, I want to do something. What What do I want to do? And so um, I wanted to go back to my passions of working with my cultural identity and exploring that as a Philippine American. And um, but also doing something with design and really pushing myself creatively in that way. Um, and also having conversations, like I s mentioned earlier, of um, exploring these topics. And so I started just like writing out notes of what I wanted to see and throwing out ideas. Do I want to do a photo shoot? Do I want to do like a video? Do I want to do like, like all these random things? I just wrote it down. Um, and I have like, I'm a person who writes down notes on like random pieces of paper on my phone and they're just scattered everywhere. And so I would just like write wherever, like during um, my public transportation rides, at work sometimes during my breaks. Um, and I was kind of like, had too many ideas. So I reached out to my Fly Pen Eyes mentor, um, kind of bounced off ideas with her and kind of um, asked like what she thought. Um, what Real could quick, I do? Fly Pen Eyes is yes. through LEAD? Yes, and through LEAD, LEAD Filipino. And they're a nonprofit in San Jose. 
Yes. Um, and then I bounced off ideas with the founder of the lead Filipino um, organization too to get her feedback. Um, and then with my best friend too. Um, and as I started thinking more about it, I thought of, okay, I want to do like some photo shoot or some visual exploring um, how diverse the Filipino American is or the Filipina is um, and just um, deconstructing and rebuilding what beauty means to them. Um, and so I thought I was going to do it with just like a few of my friends, like I'm not going to make it that big. Um, but then I was thinking about it more and I realized I'm sure there's like a wider spectrum of individuals that I can pull together if I put this out on social media. And so I decided to post on Twitter and Instagram, no, not expecting anything. So I'm like, okay, let me put, uh, put this out. I don't know who's going to respond. And then just the first two days, I was getting so many um, messages mm. and it was really overwhelming, but so exciting to get these people I've never met um, to be excited to be part of this project and so like I was answering DMs like all day the first two days like as I was getting on BART I was getting to work during my lunch as I was going home um and I'm like okay this is super exciting but it's like I'm answering the same thing so let me like organize this I need to create a google form people need to apply so uh, I did it through uh I organized it that way people applied through that and I wanted it to be um still intentional and special so I didn't just want people who thought they were getting a free photo shoot I wanted people who were down for the project. Um, and so it was kind of like an application where I had them answer certain questions, um, talking about their cultural identity, how mm. their relationship with beauty expectations, how that's affected them. So kind of those themes um, in those questions. And then like once I kind of organized all the their availabilities for photo shoots, I ended up with um, a total of 37 participants mm -hmm. um, and organized that into... Broke that down into three different photo shoot dates um, and created like activities that day before the actual photo shoots to get them in that mindset of what this project is about. And so um, once everyone came together, it averaged about like 12 participants each photo shoot. Um, and uh, we would have, I had like a few activities. So the first was exploring three critical thinking questions. Um, one was, for example, what um, observations have you seen within American and Filipino media of Filipino representation? Um, another is like, what are things that you've done um, growing up regarding beauty expectations? And then another was, um, what are two things that you love about yourself? And ending it that way. And so I started off with them answering these questions alone um, so that they can reflect on themselves and then the next step was sharing with one other person. And then the last part was sharing as a big group to kind of share everyone's experiences or what they've learned from their partners. Um, and throughout those photo shoots, there was a lot of similar themes and similar um, things that they've grown up with. So it really showed how universal the issue of beauty expectations yeah. are imposed yeah. on Filipino women. Yeah. Um, and after that activity, I had everyone line up shoulder to shoulder holding hands with their eyes closed. And um, I would read a statement after each statement. If it was true to them, um, I'd have them take a step. Um, I'd tell them a step forward or step back. And 
if it was a statement that was positive, they would step forward. If it was a more negative statement, I would have them take a, one step back. And it would show, like, not everyone has the same experience. So there would be, like, some people standing and not moving, some people moving. And so no matter how far apart some people might be, um, I made them make sure that they didn't let go. Mm. So that way you could feel... Um, the differences in each person's experience and that what is were some of the uh statements, statements. Yeah. yeah um so one um that i distinctly remember was one of the photo shoots everyone took a step back and the statement was take a step back if you ever felt unsafe walking outside of your house because of the way you were dressed and everyone that day took a step back showing that it isn't just me that thinks this way. It is, it is a thing that women think about because maybe they're dressed a certain way and they feel scared that maybe, who knows, like um, they might not feel safe because they're dressing up a certain way or they're wearing a certain lipstick color or something. And that's something that I think about on a daily, especially when I take public transportation, how am I presenting myself um, and all these things. So these statements I thought about like what... Um, like a lot of these were coming from me and my own experience and that um, exercise technique, I took inspiration from from my experience in the film community, um, but I tailor, tailored it to um, having the statements for cultural identity or specifically the Philippine American identity. Mm -hmm. Then, so after that mm -hmm. activity, you would go into like the photo shoot? Yes. And then like that. So we would have start off with the group photo shoots, like this big group, and then we'd break it down to individual um, photo shoots. And I was really, really thankful to have volunteer photographers. Mm. Um, I didn't think I would need them, but I realized like throughout this process, like they were so instrumental to make the process smooth and to produce incredible photography and they had reached out to me through social media as well um, and I didn't even ask for any volunteers um, but they were so down with the project that they wanted to share their talents um, for free and that was incredibly validating to know that they um, believed in this mm. and each individual also had answers questions yes yeah, so I would email that later um, mm. so that they could share their story along with their photos mm. And then, are they all the same questions? Yes. So, the 37 participants that I had um, photographed or my volunteer photographers photographed had the same questions. And then, th there's two other sections in the magazine. Um, so, the 37 that, were, um, that had applied and came to the photo shoots, um, that section is the brown papaya babes. And then, the other part are is a creative crushes so i had interviewed four creative professionals in the bay area um that i had seen or come across their work online or heard mm. about um and i really wanted to get to know them um and that was a way for me to kind of reach out to someone that i was really interested to get to know um and learn more about their story and the last part um i wanted to reach out to the community who we're still really interested to be part of this project, but couldn't be here um, mm. physically. And so I opened it up to anyone who wanted to share their artwork, whether it was photography, illustration, writing. Um, yeah. Dope. So it's like a multi, it's like a three part. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, like photo with the like individual profiles and a fe- then features of these four artists. Shout out to was it Chang, mm-hmm. Chang, Kate, c h i c h a i Yes, and Steph. Yes, and then the like almost like a mini magazine mm-hmm. in the last part of it. That's dope. Um, what was the first? What's cool is that even if you had volunteer photographers, so it's different people taking some of the different photos. Yeah, so aesthetically they still match. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard to get. Yeah, f- with different <laughs> photographers, mm-hmm. right? So I was really lucky to um, see all the photos come out. Um, I would kind of direct them and show them kind of what I was going for mm. to get that consistent look, mm. um, and it helped to have a similar background at a certain park mm. um, to get the greenery um, and the really colors. for the yep. nature aspect of it. Um, Yeah, so I would kind of show them examples of like how I want them pose, but I was really trusted their um, their skill set as photographers. So Do you I, know all yeah. these photographers already? So one I'd never met before, but he had reached out to me through social media because of my post, and then um, the other photographer and videographer, Bianca, uh, I, I had already met her actually two years ago um, through a mutual friend. Um, And we did like a mini photo shoot just for fun, and so she had reached out. She had, she was already following me, and I guess she saw my post, and she wanted to be a part of the project. Mm. What have you gotten out of the interviews? Because I know you said that you initially did the activity. Mm-hmm. Um, once they get there, and then they'll share with each other. Then there's a sharing with a larger group about what they learned, mm-hmm. right? From each other, from the um, point of view of a facilitator, and then having all this information come in and seeing all the written reading, all the responses too, uh, specifically in terms of the questions. Uh, let me read the questions. Yes. Right. So first is what drew you to the Brown Papaya Project? What were your expectations before attending the Brown Papaya photo shoot, and how did those expectations change? Specifically, what beauty expectations did you grow up with, and how did or does that affect you? And after the activities that engage in critical learning and the photo shoots, what did you learn? So, like, kind of almost collating mm-hmm. your their responses and what you've gotten out of seeing their responses. What have what has come out of it? Like what I've learned, or like what? What's your specific question? <laughs> like, as a person who yeah. facilitates, because sometimes even me, when I facilitate like podcasts mm-hmm. or when I facilitate classroom sessions yeah. and workshops, even if I'm the facilitator or sometimes a teacher, I learn a lot from it as well, mm-hmm. um, and I learn a lot from doing projects, even if a lot of the Answers or input comes from the other person, mm-hmm. um, and then I take those lessons with me too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As the person who um, has read their responses, um, what are kind of those lessons that okay. yeah. you've taken um, from just observing it as a whole, and mm-hmm. then also on a personal level? Mm-hmm. So after, so I was learning so much just from each photo shoot. Um, And because this was my first big personal project on my own, mm. um, 
and it was a lot this of is your first one this is good for your first one <laughs> thank you <Good> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it was a lot of trial and error and kind of experimenting and seeing what worked. Um, and it was a lot of like unsure and uncertainty, like especially the first photo shoot, like, is anyone going to show up? Like what's going to happen? Um, but I learned quite a bit from the creation aspect of it, what I could do better if I were to do another one. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from the actual content of what they were sharing during the activities and um during their interviews that they would um, interview responses, they would email me. And so in terms of the conversations that we had um, over the course of three photo shoots of 37 women, I realized truly how universal it was, at least within the Bay Area, of how uh, a lot of these beauty expectations um, and things that we would do affect us very similarly growing up um, and how that could still be affecting us um, on our self-confidence, on how we interact with people or on ourselves. So, and a lot of like little things that we would do, we would be like, oh my gosh, I did that too. Like pinching our noses to be mm. smaller. Um, or a lot of them, like every photo shoot, they would bring up papaya soap to be, um, it, that was imposed on them by their moms. Like, don't, you better use, and they didn't know what it was when they were uh. young. Like they just used it. Or, oh, um, so that's yeah. where papaya. Oh, it's so simple. Why did I not think of papaya soap? I was just about to. Where does the papaya come from? Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Oh my. Okay. Yes. So, um, so for they would bring up a lot of very similar stories, and a lot of us women would be like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I did that too," or "I get that," or like, um, "I had." It was amazing to see just how. Um, uh, diverse the spectrum of women came through so it was like variety of ages um skin color hair texture heights body shapes um careers um and so but we would still share very similar stories like one woman she um she is in her late 30s and that was cool to see um that difference because on average i was getting women in their 20s um and when during that photo shoot we were sharing like these similar stories she mentioned wow we're still hearing this because i was mm. hearing this when i was your age um and she's hearing this like with her niece um who was about our age and so um it was really cool to hear from different perspectives all these different experiences that were pretty similar there might be like slight differences but overall there was a lot of um that similar mentality of wanting to be lighter skinned being imposed on us or um looking a certain way that's being shown in the media um and so those are some of the things that i learned um from them just how much um i was hearing from them outside of my own like family or family friends um and then just hearing how they really valued being able to have that space to share with each other. They shared how important it was or like how special that was. And that was really cool and validating to hear from them that they valued that time to um, connect with each other. And the last photo shoot was an amazing way to end the set of photo shoots because that collection of women were so like, it was just like magical that last photo shoot day. Like, as each participant came in and was entering and we were waiting for everyone to come together, it, everyone just like clicked like even more so than the past two. Like everyone clicked in every photo shoot, but mm -hmm. the last photo shoot, like 
like throughout were was very sisterly and just like loving and like even after they wanted to create a group chat um they were texting like weeks after and they wanted to re have a reunion have like a mini christmas party that year and it was like really sweet to see like that they uh, wanted to bond that way and like i would i still follow them on instagram and like i would see like two of them still hang out on their own like calling each other sister and it was like really sweet to be able to um create that space for them to get to know each other and connect that way um and i realized creating um the power of connecting with people um just through or um and creating a space to have these conversations that's something that i learned as well um i learned my potential as a creative like wow i was able to do this and get um just a supportive response from the community from a bunch of people that i've never met before um just learning the potential i have as a creative like i could do even more mm. um i just have to have the idea and focus on what i need to do because i was able to do this what else could i do mm. so those are some of the things that i learned of from their interviews and their conversations to the creative process in terms of the um beauty standards mm -hmm. right uh you mentioned a few um that were kind of almost universal like skin lightening um pinching of the nose right mm -hmm. um are there any other ones like what were the main kind of like big expectations yeah. put on the group and then also what then is the response like what have they done in response mm -hmm. to those beauty standards mm -hmm. um what's the discussion like uh, f as for filipinas yeah in terms of quote unquote moving forward mm -hmm. So besides the big lightening of the skin um, and pinching of the nose, there was having straight black hair um, because the curly, frizzy hair isn't seen as beautiful um, to look more Eurocentric because that's what we're seeing in the media um, and being skinnier and being tall, something valued as well because that's also Eurocentric features. Um, all these things that are very... Um, I guess a homogenous look, whereas we're not valuing or appreciating the differences in different body types or different body shapes, heights, hair textures. Um, and we're not seeing those, we're not respecting or admiring those unique um, features about them. And also a lot of it is physical. Like um, we're not asking, at least from my experience and like hearing from their stories as well, um, we're not always asking about what their interests are or what their hobbies are. Um, like recently I would, or I would hear like at family parties or something, they would say to the little girls, like, oh, you're so pretty or you're so cute. But like, what about, oh, you're so smart or what are your interests? What are your hobbies? Like really asking them about them as a person, like, okay, yes, sure. They're beautiful, of course, or they're really cute or whatever. Um, but that's something that they're born with. What about things that they are, shaping for themselves to build themselves like are you honing that are you like nurturing that for the young girls in your families um like that's something that i uh that we don't i don't see a lot like um you're not asking more about themselves on the inside and so that's something that i wanted to have in conversation to and one of the participants had brought up, like, when she went to the Philippines, her cousin, her younger cousins are darker, and she would notice how they were being made fun of. Um, 
in one ways she combated that was she would um, kind of support her and say, like, talk back against that um, and kind of reassure her younger cousin that she's just as beautiful um, and to not, like, listen to her titas or whoever was saying this. Um, and that's something that I try to combat as well within my own family um, or family, friends, extended family. Um, and that's what I would, like, when I was growing up, like, that bothered me. I just didn't know how to articulate that until I was in college and learned the mm. background, the history, and the vocabulary to um, say why that was an issue. Um, but now I try to, like, speak out on it because it, it like, like, I didn't have that. Like, I'm the oldest. I'm the ata in that group. Um, and You mean in your family? Yeah, mm-hmm. in my immediate family. And then um, they're kind of my extended family. They're family friends. Um, they're not blood family, but they're, they've been my family growing up so they're your family filipino yeah. style right? yes yes <laughs> so i'm the oldest in that group as well and so i didn't have anyone older to like speak out on any of these things and uh. so i i'm like i should be or i want to be speaking out against these things like no she's she's not fat she's not chubby she's fine and she's like 10 years old or um whatever else i might hear or i'd hear like tita's talking about um wanting to have papaya soap or all these other things. And I'm like, you're fine. Like, you don't need to um, do all these things or whatever. Like, I try to bring it up and normalize it. Um, but, like, obviously, it would take a lot of conversation to get it to their heads. But at least, like, bringing it up and, like, calling it out. Um, yeah, so that's something that I would try to do personally and then um, that's what I would be hearing from some of the participants as well some of them would speak out mm. um, some of them n- have never been part of a conversation or a dialogue like this so this was their first time to engage in this way or to learn more about their cultural identity this way so um, it was really interesting to be able to interact with people coming from different backgrounds um, and how they engage with these social issues. Um, so some, like, um, they would take it, uh, or I would, like, try to advise if you don't feel brave enough to speak out um, among your family, um, at least try to find, like, one support system, like, one person to at least um, have an outlet to um, share any experiences or struggles that you might be feeling so it's not just stuck within yourself Mm. and that's kind of why i wanted to have brown papaya for those who might not have that space to speak about their issues or their problems how do you see this like these expectations affecting um the the these individuals and like the community as a whole like, cause I don't want to speak on mm-hmm. on their experience. Like, oh, this is bad because yeah. this. Because I don't know. I have mm-hmm. my own. Yeah. Right, but I can't speak for them. So, yeah. what did you see in terms of the effects of these beauty expectations, especially from a Filipino perspective? Mm-hmm. So, things that I've seen from my own friends or from these participants, um, it really affected their self confidence a lot. Um, and it's something that they're still learning about to un- they're still unlearning all those toxic expectations that were imposed upon them. So it's it's unfortunate that we have to do a lot of unlearning of all these things to gain that self-confidence, that self-love. But it, it self-love is a journey and it takes a lot of work and it it doesn't stop. Um, and so from them that I've seen affect them, it's like how they interact with 
themselves on the inside like they might not feel like they're good enough or beautiful enough um it might affect like their own relationships or like um potential to have a relationship because they don't think that they look pretty enough or are at that standard or um might it could affect like how they navigate the world and like it could really affect like maybe when you go into an interview for a job you don't feel like you're good enough um so it could really like affect um like these little things build up and they really get into your mind there's like body dysmorphia where you think that you look a certain way but really you're just fine and but like you keep hearing a certain thing over and over for so many years it's hard to get that out of your head um and you might think oh i'm too dark but you're actually lighter than quite a lot of people around you um and so it it could like really mess with your mentality um your emotional health mental health um and for some people it might be harder to unlearn than others and um some people are luckier than others in terms of a support system so um yeah it, it could be so there's like the self confidence thing and just seeing how you see yourself can affect like the way you interact with other people greatly like i've seen it um from my own friends and it's something that i try to like help with um for them but i could tell that it'll take a while for them um or even like younger girls um in my family um my extended family um like i see uh how they would get little comments from their parents or others um jokingly say oh you're getting a little chubby or whatever um and it really bothers me and like because it's like they are only like they're not even a teenager and they're getting all these comments and mm. like that's going to affect them growing up and then like i try to ha- um be in conversation with them like hang out with them um to stay connected with the younger kids in um in the group and i like there was one time where she like jokingly said like oh i'm getting oh i'm i'm fat or something like that like kind of reiterating like what she's been hearing but jokingly and it like really hurt to hear mm. that she was embodying those comments and mm. like accepting it as true um and like i can't even imagine like how that's going to continue as she ages because i don't see her all the time um and she's the oldest uh she she's the oldest sister and she has a younger sister so like i don't know what how that's going to affect her she goes into middle school into high school because those are tough moments in at least like for me like those like when you're growing and learning about yourself um and so a lot of these little comments maybe like jokes that you might hear from elders but um these are things that we want to um at least like hope to get allies like from filipinos like i remember in um our event we had a panel one person had brought up um one thing that Filipinos that we would like from our male allies is to speak out on these issues if they hear it um and call out these problematic um things that might come up or like at least be that support system or say um that we shouldn't listen to those things like you're you're beautiful you're fine like um and just like help us in that way and kind of break that cycle that toxic cycle of these beauty expectations that are imposed on Filipino women um and just support each other because um it could be really tough 
for a Filipina to um, hear all the time, and she might not have any siblings or anyone at mm. all. Mm. So, um, yeah, it could definitely affect in many ways, and that's probably just the tip of the iceberg that I know in my own perspective. Mm. You hear that, titas and titos? <laughs> Stop with your comments. <laughs> mm. It's some real shit, though. It really is. It's some real shit. Yeah. I had like a... Uh, and it's just so normalized in them. Mm-hmm. There's no... I wouldn't say that there's intentional malice yeah. behind it. But just being away. And then one time I was like video chatting. And then um, um, one uncle said to another family member of mine like, Oh, you're getting fat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? And my yeah. was like, no, she isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even that much. I'm like, what the hell? And then I was like, is that your only comment? But of course, <laughs> exactly. Just like, like, oh, yeah. It's like the fun. It's like it's just normalized that that's what they talk about, or mm-hmm. that's a comment that they would say, mm-hmm. right? And even my own mom always had like, oh, you're getting too dark, mm-hmm. right? I remember one time. I was so happy we were living in Hawaii for a few years and I will just go to the beach all yeah. the time and she pulls me to the side one day she's like you're turning gray I was like what what does that even mean <laughs> I was like yeah. what gray but and then after talking to her now after all the years right we are able to have like critical conversations mm. and it's never out of malice it's just that that's the expectation yeah. that society also puts on the community mm-hmm. and so the community become like self-regulators mm-hmm. in a way and it does take a lot of effort to have those conversations but it's cool that they're happening and things like this definitely help things like this like it's useful to have examples to point towards of like hey look at the beauty here but also look at the critical discussions happening inside where people filipinas are expressing hey these are their experiences right it's not just a sociological issue Mm -hmm. on a wide ideological level but it goes on to the micro where these are affecting these individuals and their lives and it's consistent with a lot of a lot of them Mm -hmm. and it's not just individual cases right yeah so i think it's it's super powerful and super important to have because even when i go back to philippines the lines of skin whitening, mm-hmm. right? And they have now for dudes too. They have like underarm, they have deodorant yeah. that has whitening in it. <laughs> Why do I want my kilikili <laughs> to be white? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? And then they have it everywhere. It's, I went on a little Twitter rant last few weeks. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the so billboards, much. like like even specifically like why are you why do you have to split it between men and women products like Uh, is there a difference but uh even then like it's still problematic to have Uh these lightning products um and going back to what you said about like facetiming um family and they would point out like oh you're getting fat like yeah i've been hearing that lately because my parents were like facetiming our family for the holidays and like i know like one family will say that like once we turn on the screen (laughs) and it's because like you know a certain angle you're gonna look a certain way and like like I try to like not be there because like I know I'm gonna hear that and it like bothers me. But it's also like I know that they don't have like the time to be able to be critical because they're trying to survive. So yes, there's like yes, these. Yes. It's, it, it's super complex. I'm like, okay, yes, they're focusing yes. on that versus like we have the energy and time to be more critical at these things. Yes, so, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, 
intersectionality of like economics too right mm. but still i have some i know people <laughs> who are fine doing well and y'all critique <laughs> bruh yeah, yeah could you share with us another of your piece before oh, i still have more questions about this sure. bio but can you please share another piece and you said you also mentioned a while ago you like writing for yourself mm-hmm. and is it just like a outlet kind of thing Yes, so um, I was on and off writing in a journal since I was really young, but it would be, like, when I was younger, it would be, like, months or years I would return back to writing, but... What do you mean months? Like, there would be a break? Yeah, Um, and then it wasn't until college that I was more consistent, like, almost every day, because there were so many things happening that I wanted to capture and remember Mm. my emotions and my thoughts in that moment, because big events were happening and or big like milestones and i really wanted to remember how i felt in that moment so i would write a lot yes. do you reread your journals yeah uh. <laughs> i haven't in a while but like when i do or when i want to like there will be moments where i reread it and it's like oh i forgot that even happened uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah um, but do you reread it consistently like you'll read yesterday's journal oh like, today like more recently so- yeah um well i haven't written in a while (laughs) so i haven't done that um but more so like the things that i have been writing more recently is like little i don't know if it's even poetry but like they're small enough to be considered poetry so i'd read those more consistently because that's what i've been writing more lately um but no in college um things would just be happening so much like i didn't have time to yeah Mm -hmm. so um that was why i was writing um and it was journaling to remember those moments um and um to process emotions and like whatever happened at that time um and then after graduating that's when i started getting getting into poetry um and uh writing because i guess once I started reading poetry, I realized I could write in a different way or a different format to express my emotions in this way. Um, and so that's how I got into that. I th- Yeah, I got into poetry two years ago um, after a breakup. <laughs> and so I came across mm-hmm. a poetry book. Um, and that was the first time I ever cried reading poetry. Which one? What poetry? Um, the poet is called Lang Liav, L-A-N-G is the first name, and then the last name is L-E-A-V. And she has a few Liav. books. Yeah, she's a Asian-Australian poet, I believe. Oh. Chinese-Australian? I could be wrong. And you cried? <laughs> Made you cry? Yeah, I never, I've never done that. I think it was because it was like, um, it was that event in my life like happened i was reading these things and it like hit me more because i was in like a more raw space um and the book specifically was lullabies um and i had borrowed it from the library because i had noted that down um when i had visited a bookstore in portland and that was like a recommended book and so i i borrowed it and i was reading it and it like hit me um and I kept reading her stuff, and then I just like started discovering other poets, um, and just it was just like things that I was hungry to read, um, and from there I was inspired to write um, myself. But it was just for myself because I've never done it before. But I've gone to spoken word events in college, um, so I like had an idea of how like they form their words, um, but. 
again, it was like for me because I didn't consider, I still don't consider myself a writer. It's like really just a personal like journaling type of thing. Mm. Yeah. So like journaling through a poetic style. Yeah, yeah. sure. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And you're not planning to like. Are you planning to like write more so you can perform and <laughs> share it? Oh gosh, um, that's like one of my fantasies to like perform once at an open mic. Oh, <laughs> but I don't know because I've never like I I think I need to practice. Welcome to the Queen of Queer San Friends open mic. Oh gosh, next we have <laughs> Isabel Buxing. Oh, am I? Am yes, I that was her intro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> to do the next piece. Okay. So I guess this ties into brown papaya. Um, this one I had also posted on my Instagram. Um, and this one is called light skin. Don't fetishize and idealize my light skin. Because underneath this obsession is hundreds of years of oppression. You point out how we're like yin and yang. With your golden brown hands interlocked with mine. Yet... When I say I want to be golden too, you say no a little too quickly, a little too loudly, that we were meant to contrast each other. Our shades of melanin weren't the only things that were so opposite. Don't fetishize and idealize my light skin. You tell me that if we ever had babies, it would be great because you like my complexion. Now... What about my darker-skinned ladies who suffer sting after sting from using skin-lightening products and papaya soap, still hating what they see in the reflection? Would you still want a baby then? Don't fetishize and idealize my light skin. Don't compliment me on something I was born with. Don't focus on how I present myself. Don't hold my hands with superficial interest. I am more than what you see. Dig deeper to unearth true treasures. My curious mind, passionate soul, and soft heart. Three things I made my own. Don't you dare stain me in my light skin. Mm, snaps. <laughs> at them, yo, at them. What's their handle? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at uh, <laughs> Pop tagged. <laughs> Dope. Uh, interesting question now. Yes. Uh, based off that little piece. So it did remind me a little bit of the discussions of privilege, right? Where at least within the discussion of um, beauty standards, especially within the Filipino community, lighter skin is more um, idolized, mm -hmm. uh, fetishized. Um, and then... Um, but you are acknowledging that mm -hmm. and then kind of flipping it where you were saying, well, about my brown sisters mm -hmm. like that who experienced that. So it's a very interesting use of that intersection of like acknowledging like what they can say is your privilege within yeah. the community. Um, you, my question stems from you being critical of skin whitening. So you're still critical even if you are lighter skin. Mm -hmm. Like, that was one of the things that I was hesitant about in terms of brown papaya. Like, am I the right person to be starting this project? Because I know I am lighter skin, and I know that, like, people will see who's creating this project. Um, so I was kind of, like, scared about doing that. But um, I realized, like, 
okay i know i'm not focusing on myself and i don't even put myself in it as long as i like push the faces and the voices and the stories that aren't valued as much as they should be then i think i'll be okay (laughs) but yeah how come you are like critical of it like how be as someone who is light-skinned right like Mm -hmm. like even those discussions right how can a dude how did you how did a dude become critical of patriarchy in -hmm. that sense like same Mm -hmm. mentality if he benefits from it and then from you in this case how did you end up being critical of it yeah um if you kind of benefit from like that structure so when i was younger um like i mentioned before i was bothered by hearing these things about beauty expectations like papaya soap and skin lightening um i i remember like i was bothered by these things i would hear at family parties even when you were young you already had that response yeah Yeah, but i didn't know why and Mm. i didn't really know the history or Mm. like all that background and not until college um was i able to articulate why those were problematic and so because i see like how it impacts other women or not even just women but other folks um like it it's it hurts to see that they're getting hurt and it's like we can't really move forward um unless we're raising everyone up and so i and it makes me feel weird that like i acknowledge that i am lighter skin i might be smaller and whatnot um but it's like i don't consider myself better than my darker sisters or my um darker siblings like um, I know that they're just as beautiful and just as intelligent and intellectual and smart and they have a lot to offer, but our culture isn't valuing them as much. And it's just something that I want to like um, help them raise up. Like I want to be able to use my privilege somehow. Um, and so that's why I wanted to p- create this project in particular. Like I know I have the potential to design something like I designed it in that way to look kind of like a high-end fashion magazine. Like I knew mm-hmm, there was a style mm-hmm. of being more DIY, crafty, more collage, like really bright pop, poppy colors. Like that's a cool aesthetic, but I wanted to um, highlight them in a high fashion style because we don't see that in these high fashion magazines um, of these everyday women um, just without like all these um, expectations or these like certain looks that we have to follow. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to use whatever skill sets that I had and whatever privileges I had um, and help raise up other stories that we're not wanting to listen to. So what do you think of Miss Universe? So I've been seeing a lot of critiques <laughs> um, on both sides and it's, of course, complex. <laughs> so um, this year's Miss Universe, it's cool that Miss Philippines won. Mm-hmm. Um and I've seen critiques like we shouldn't blame her for winning just because she is mixed and she's lighter skin and she's following like a certain um, look to win this competition. Um, it's more on we need to look at this, the system that she's a part of mm-hmm. um, in terms of beauty expectations and like cultural identity and what's valued because it's both in the Philippines and in America and I'm sure like other countries. Um with a Filipinx um, community base that we ourselves within the culture need to unlearn these things and stop the cycle of imposing these ideals of beauty on these women. Um, And I'm sure like 
Miss Universe and these other folks in these pageants do good community work and they're using their privilege and their um, where they are at in life to be able to help communities. Um, but again, like I've seen critiques online of how they're blaming her for not being full Filipina and mm-hmm, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. Like I am frustrated um, of not seeing like a darker skin Filipina as well. But again, it's not like her fault for looking yeah. that way. Yeah. It's more on who's, who's valuing that? Like, mm-hmm. um, and who, who wants to see that? And it's all super complex within the system that we're um, a part of. And we, and it'll take a lot, a lot of time to unlearn um, this ideal. But yeah, it's not, it's not like one person's fault or anything. It's a huge system. It's not a critique on the individual, yeah. but a discussion about the larger society yeah. and what it values based mm-hmm. on like the history that's there like we ain't we ain't mad at that individual yeah. but let's be real that majority of miss philippines representatives mm-hmm. ain't of the brown papaya color <laughs> yeah. right um and there's a history to that right mm-hmm. like if we go into the ethnic studies american yeah. asian a american 300 years of colonization we we've already had a bunch of those discussions mm-hmm. in these um in schools and everything but it's interesting how we know about it and we are kind of living out the results of it though it's hard to have those discussions sometimes mm-hmm. um, with community and all that but it's like real it's like sometimes when I am in ethnic study circles I take it for granted that like oh yeah we know this we know we mm-hmm. know everyone alright we're on the same level but then when you go out of it you're like wait yeah. Not everyone know, oh, like, yeah. thinks or analyzes it this way and you have to have those discussions and sometimes they're tough mm-hmm. and sometimes people don't aren't open yet, right? And then it's kind of a, a dance to try to find ways to communicate and connect um, in different ways. And that's why I actually like art a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like kind of creative things like this because it's not a lecture. It's not like listen to me yeah right it's more like hey look at this these are experiences of of people and this is like a positive creation Mm -hmm. um in the face of like these expectations that have been placed on us um you mentioned a while ago about creating this right and then you did make mistakes or maybe there are things that can be improved for next time what are those those things that you would want to improve for mm-hmm. next time mm-hmm. or maybe that's even like a little advice mm-hmm. for somebody who is inspired by this project and would want to do something similar mm-hmm. uh, across the same lines mm-hmm. and things like that so specifically for what i would do if i were to do um another iteration of this or things that i've learned from this creative process um i would have a more concrete idea of what features I would do so I kept adding on I thought it was just going to be the 37 participants and their photos and their interviews but I kept adding on um like okay I want to do um more in-depth features I want to bring in the community with their art and writing submissions so I would like to have a more concrete plan of what would be in the magazine um and then how many people like a maximum so that way i can cut down costs of when (laughs) people Mm. purchase the print because i didn't know i had no plan of like printing it physically um 
and I knew more pages meant more money. Um, and I didn't know how many pages it would come out to be. So it was like all like um, just going with the flow and just kept adding on. Um, 157 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So I would probably cut down, maybe try half. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. So having a more concrete idea of what would be the content and then um, maybe having it to be like one event one day so um it wouldn't be so uh so many days and then um i would i guess have i would probably want to have another photographer collaborator because that was incredibly helpful mm. um because that allowed me to have more time to facilitate the activities and to focus on engaging with the participants um instead of like um, scrambling on doing everything because I did take some of the photos um, but now lo looking back I can't even imagine like taking every single photo um, and one of the photographers Bianca she even edited the photos mm. um, which was in amazing um, and she even did videography too she was the um, one who did the drone shot yeah, yeah. that was a good she was video. Amazing. That um, was a good video and so those are things that I would think about next time um i would probably if i were to do another like i've had so many ideas like as i was doing this one of if i were to do another one whether it was um focusing on the filipino male narrative or the LG lgbtqia community and their narrative because that's very specific um or um women 45 years and older and seeing that experience um just like being able to explore different identities and different experiences would be really cool but if i were to do that that would be even more research because this one i have that experience as a filipina um but if i were to explore other identities or other experiences i would want to um interview those who are part of that community or identify that way to get a better idea of um what they're dealing with or what they're experiencing so that way i can tailor the activities or that event more to them mm. um because i know i can't just like copy and paste whatever i just did to a different experience because it might not work out as and then might not be as impactful for them um so definitely like research for another iteration for the um interview or the feature section of this what was your process like for that with these um with these interviews that you did with mm -hmm. kay chang and the other artists mm -hmm. so um these were people that i came across online that i was really interested to get to know more about their work like whoa that's so cool like i love what they're doing and they um they identify already like as Filipina or Filipinex um, and I wanted to get to know more about their story because I thought the work that they were doing was very different but still in the creative space and they mm. were in the Bay Area um, and it, I used brown papaya as my excuse to get to know them and meet them um, <laughs> to learn more about their stories because I love one-on-one -on -one conversations and getting to know someone um, like I'm not a person that likes like huge big groups um, but more on like getting to know someone like individually and having that time to pick their brain and their creative process and their career journeys 
um and so i just reached out to them through instagram like asked if they were down to have a conversation and um i've actually like since the interview i've come to work with them or like um do something with them um since then so it was really cool like i was i had been a photo assistant for kate um for a little bit and then chichai i've collaborated with her um i hosted my sunkiss event at her store space Mm. um and then chang i had done a um a poster for her um tv web series um at because she was featuring the show at like a film festival and she needed a designer last minute um and then stuff i had met um she's the founder of hella pinai um she had come through to the Fly Panay Summit because she heard from Kate um, uh, and Kate was going to be a mentor and she wanted to be a mentor too. So I got to meet her through there. So that was really cool to be able to meet them and get to know them um, because I really respected the work that they were doing. But they were also very um, aware about their cultural identity um, and how they're fusing it with their own art. What was the Sunkissed event? So that? that event happened right after the launch of the magazine online and um i wanted to do something where i could like reunite um some of the participants or have like a physical meeting for those who were supporting the project and um i didn't have anything clearly set yet but then chichai of empire in the air she had reached out to me um offering her space and i was like so incredibly grateful for her to do that um and so we did that. Um, we had a panel of three of the past participants speak about their experiences and um, about the project and then their experiences regarding beauty expectations. And this was in downtown San Jose. Um, and then a space for them to see the physical print um, and then shop around her store um, to support each other in that way, to support mm. her business and then support like the project. What have you gotten out or learned from in the interview process and these more in-depth ones Mm -hmm. um, with the features? So I learned to have a backup recorder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Yeah, because I used my phone and it was fine. But there was one interview where when I was listening back to it, it cut. Uh. And it was near the end, but I'm like, what did she say after this? Uh, uh-huh. um, but thankfully, it was like at the end, near the end of the interview. But um, yeah, for sure, I should have a backup. So that's one thing. Um, I learned um, to have, I guess, I don't know if I'd have like a time limit because I like having organic conversations to like learn from them. Um Hmm. Sounds like you could have a podcast. <laughs> I've played with that idea, but I'm <laughs> but I'll take a break from creating at the moment. Mm. Um but hmm, what else did I learn? Uh I don't um I mean I had the same questions for each, so definitely something to keep in mind if someone were to do this themselves is to prepare a set list of questions. Um I was writing it down and I was recording it, so that helped. If I didn't like catch a certain sentence, um, oh, I would you have were, an important. So you were taking notes, mm-hmm. writing while you were yes interviewing. Yeah, mm. um, so it's very like research project. Yeah, um, like organized. Right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so 
I guess that's like have two sources of recording um, mm-hmm. just in case. Um, having a set list of questions to prepare yourself um, and think about the flow of the questions so you're not jumping around um, so that way it could transition pretty smoothly from one topic to the next. Um, start off with lighter questions and like end it with more deeper questions so the flow of the conversation kind of goes that way um test your audio that it's recording so like (laughs) so i mean i didn't have an issue because i did that like Uh i said oh can you say your name and like a sentence what's your favorite ice cream or whatever um and then i would play it back to see if i could hear and find a space that's quiet or like i would record in a place where people were eating like and that was okay um if there was background noise um my phone was able to record if it was on the table and we were like sitting across from each other um and even if i when i recorded in a kind of louder restaurant setting i could still hear the other person but like um that's something to keep in mind like where are you going to choose to have this interview yeah um and think about the background noise um what did you yeah. get out of, like, on a personal level, doing those more in-depth interviews? Um, I gained a new connection with another creative in the Bay Area. Um, and that's something, like, I don't, like, I know, like, uh, from my design background, they always say network, 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 because that's where you'll get your next job. But that kind of, like, freaks me out when I'm, like, in a big, like, networking Mm -hmm. event i hate networking events (laughs) i have to do it like organically i don't know like it just feels strange to me even though i need to practice and do that um hey so what do you do (laughs) oh that's awesome let me give you my card you know i do these projects yeah okay well yeah Mm -hmm. let's stay in touch let's get coffee i know it's like real it feels like it's supposed to be done really quickly like you're doing an interview in 10 (laughs) seconds um yeah now i'll walk over here real quick bye yeah hi (laughs) exactly um so for me i i wanted to do more organic conversations and that's just something like um the way i operate and the way Mm. i navigate like interactions with people um and i wanted to get to know them um and so that was and learn more about like i get inspired um, from learning about other creatives. So I love hearing interviews of different directors or designers or artists, singers, and just hearing them talk about themselves and their process. So like having that one-on-one conversation, um, I was able to ask questions that I wanted to know, um, but I thought that would also be beneficial for others to read about. Mm. So like, how did they, like this was something that I love asking about other creatives. Like how did you get, where did how did you get from where you started to where you are now? Because I know these journeys are not are nonlinear. Um, and it's really cool and can be super validating and inspiring to hear another creative start off in one area um, and go through these trials and tribulations and end up doing what they love. Mm. Um, and so that's something that I really wanted to highlight because I know for me um, and from other people that I hear, Um, It's not always like an easy straight path from one point A to point B of like, okay, now I'm a designer. So I wanted to highlight um, whatever obstacles they went through to get to where they are now and also um, pick their brain on what they're inspired by because that's how I, like I love hearing 
um, people's inspirations or like where they draw influence from so that I can like take a look myself if I get bored of like the same things that I keep cycling to. Mm. Um, and how, like I would ask all these questions because these are things that I wanted to learn about. So um, segueing and using that response as an inspiration, where did you start and <laughs> how have you gotten to where you are at now? But wait, yes. be, uh, and I want to ask that as a question, but can we do a little speed round um, context? I usually like asking just to um, get people kind of like an overview mm -hmm. of you um, real quick. Like, where were you born? Pasay, Philippines. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Pasay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my uh, Lola is. Uh, when did you move here? I think nine or ten months old. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was basically raised here. And then where were you raised here? Um, first in Santa Clara, and then I moved to Milpitas. And then is that where you did like high school? Mm -hmm. and, and then where did you go to college? Uh, UC Davis, University of California, Davis. I majored in? I double majored in design and technocultural studies, which is now called cinema and digital media. Was there a big shift real quick in those two things, two majors, or are they the same just with a different name? Uh, I think so from what I last learned is that they fused my major of technocultural studies with film studies. Mm. So I'm pretty sure if they haven't changed anything, um, it's a mix of those two things. Mm. Yeah. You graduated in 2016, uh, and you are now working. What's your nine to five? I work at a art and design magazine. <gasps> yeah, so <laughs> this is like a parallel. Like from during the day, I was working at a magazine, and then at night, I was <laughs> doing my own magazine. So it's cool to be able to transfer that knowledge um, to my own personal project. Dope. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have some questions about yes. that. Um, and then. Um, what are your current projects slash next projects? So I want to focus on redesigning my design portfolio because what you saw is something I don't want people to see anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so when I walked in here, I was like, oh my gosh, I knew I should have updated it sooner. Um, so that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and I've been slowly like, um, writing notes for myself for that, but I do have a draft, just no one sees it's not online yet so that's one big thing um and then to accurately show like where i am creatively because that i did that in 2016 mm. um and um i guess redo my room because for me when my room my physical space is super cluttered like that affects me internally and like by the end of the week like i know i have to like move my clothes back into my closet and like do my bed and put everything back and clean it and then i feel better um, so I want to redecorate, get rid of things. Yeah. Um, I have too many clothes. <laughs> you should so. have seen the studio last night. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job because I would have, it's pretty clean. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did, how long did that take? A few hours. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. There was like, like it was kind of bad because I haven't used a studio in like a few months mm. to like record. Mm -hmm. And then I don't realize how little things add up. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes normalized that it's just there. But, like, it's not supposed to be there, mm -hmm. right? It's like, I just don't pick it up or I yeah. don't. But it just looks normal on the day-to-day. -day. But then when I actually think organizationally, aesthetically, I was like, why is it there? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's a container that's just sitting there. It's not serving its, like, purpose or mm -hmm. anything. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is 
but I feel you. Cool. Mm-hmm. And is there any other next projects? Um, there have been different projects that I've been toying with. So I don't know which one will like pull me the strongest. But once I do like those two other things, I'll see what I want to do. F- I don't know what that might be. Cool. Yeah. So back to the main question then. Um, where did you start? or And how did you get from where you started mm-hmm. to where you are at now? So looking back, it doesn't surprise me that I got into design and do all these creative projects now because um, as far as I can remember, I always loved coloring and write, like drawing and um, doing random DIY crafts. Um, and I would do so many projects and like even throughout like high school, like I see like some project online I'm like I want to do that and then not finish it and then go Uh on to the next thing and I have all these like supplies and crafts of unfinished projects like earring supplies and clay and like um, yarn and all these things that I don't always come back to the yarn thing like crochet like I'll come back to after a few years but like there are other things I just don't touch anymore but I keep all these supplies and all these scraps of fabric and like random wires and things (laughs) just over there if you need something right (laughs) let me have a mini yard sale right now (laughs) so like I have a drawer of like all my art like stuff and so it's like I could use that for something but I don't know what that could be so um yeah so ever since I was young I was always doing something like I remember I don't even remember what it was it might have been paint or something that when you could draw on the computer like I that was something like drawing like doodles or whatever Mm. um I love doing that like that was just a new thing for me like I was on the computer all the time um and just like coloring and drawing um, and copying from like picture books that I was looking at. Um, and I had to make it perfect. I would get super frustrated if it wasn't like the same as whatever I was copying from or like making bracelets and whatever crafts. And so um, this continued like throughout um, my life. Um, and in high school, um, I did something that was kind of like a precursor to brown papaya and that I was doing like this um cell phone charms out of clay and that was like a huge thing that I was seeing like online um and so it would be like cute little figures with like cute faces and um I wanted to sell them but I didn't know like how to properly execute it but like I set up a little website my dad he's a software engineer so he um knows about like setting up websites and like doing all that stuff so he helped me with that because he thought that was exciting um for me to like practice doing website design Mm -hmm. um and then um, that was really just like no one was buying anything online, but it would be like family friends <laughs> who would like know to buy it um, by word of mouth. Um, and so I was like sketching out like what the website would look like and how I would want the tabs. Um, and then I did a similar thing of selling like repurposed um, jeans that I would my sister and I would like create into these shorts and like um, customize them. And I had like. Like I had branded the first product, the first like cell phone charms thing. And then I had branded like this other product of selling these shorts and like created stickers and designing what the what packaging was their brand name? like. Oh what's, gosh. What was the brand name? <laughs> so, okay. So for the cell phone charms, that was called Charming Mango. Charming Mango. <laughs> we have a fruit theme going here. I know. It was really funny looking back. But, and then the second thing, the clothing was um, two clothes for comfort. 
Hey. So clothes instead of clothes, it yeah. was clothes like clothing. So I, I don't like. know. I always like playing with the words, and that kind of like goes into my design, I guess, like with branding identities. Um, so it totally makes sense of what I was doing younger, and it kind of like transfers into now um, of like thinking about branding, thinking about website design, thinking about like how that looks to other people. Um, but that was just like for fun. Um, in high school, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was taking, like, um, AP and honors classes. Like, I took honors chem. I took AP bio because I was taking classes that I thought, like, would get me into a good college. Um, so I was following those steps because I, as the first child to go to college, um, in America and my family, Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of like figuring this out on my own. I was kind of like hearing from other classmates and peers of, um, okay, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. So I wasn't. How many? uh, You have one sibling? Mm -hmm. I have one younger sister. Um, And so I was doing all these things that I thought I had to do. um, And I never considered it a creative career at all, like ever. Um, But I remember when I was really young, those little books or journals or things that say, that you fill out and one part of it is like what you want to be when you grow up i would always put like artist mm. or um something like that and so it's it's funny like looking back but in high school like i wasn't doing anything um or i really didn't consider anything creative but ninth grade i took a drawing class junior high or june my junior year my third year i took a photography class that's where my love for photography came in and my senior year, I took AP Art Studio. So that's where I really liked worked on my illustration. Um, and that teacher really opened my eyes to creative careers as a possibility. She was so passionate. She really pushed the animation program at San Jose State University. Um, but I didn't think I was good enough as an illustrator. Um, but I wanted, like, she opened my eyes to doing something creative professionally. Mm. And if it wasn't for that class, I don't know what I'd be studying. Um, what, so, how did she get that thought about doing something artistic for profes- as a profession? Um, so I guess she had a, like, long relationship with, animation students at San Jose State and like Mm. just knows that program um, as an art teacher and a lot of students from my high school um, went over to that um, that program and they would come Mm. back to visit her so she just has a relationship with those students um, and just I guess she loves like what they were doing Um, and so sometimes you would have those students come and show us their work Mm. Um, and it was really cool that she really pushed um, that to us um and just so passionately to see and she was um she's an asian american woman and she was telling us about this and it was really cool to see her um say that to us um and super eye-opening to me because no one growing up like really encouraged creativity like that um and so i when it came to applying to colleges like i applied like i really didn't know what i was wanted to do i applied for different things all over the place and looking back i'm like i don't think anyone 
ever does this because I got into schools for biology, for um, business. I got into Ateneo for business because I. That's mm. how much I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Also, oh, you're thinking <laughs> of going back to the Philippines. Yeah, for- because I knew it was like cheaper and like it seemed like a good idea to even apply. Yeah, I guess yeah. sure, like let me try because I don't know what I want to do. Um, I got in. Did your parents for- go to Ateneo? No, um, my dad went to Mapua Institute mm-hmm. of Technology. He jokes saying that he went to MIT, but it's in the Philippines. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is the yeah. MIT of the Philippines. Yeah. Like, it's a technical engineering school. Mm-hmm. It's the top. Right? Um, and so, yeah, I applied to so many things. I applied for an industrial design major at San Jose State um, and fine arts in Santa Cruz. Like, it was all over the place, like bio and business and art. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I was young, like in high school, when I was thinking... <gasps> you yes. take the biology, the biological <laughs> life, put it into art, and you've sure, sold it. Sure. <laughs> you've combined it all. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, I got into all these schools, and I didn't know... And um, it came down to two schools, um, Santa Clara University for Business and Davis for Design. Um, And I highly recommend this for anyone who's applying to different schools and not sure where they want to go, is to reach out to whatever major you applied for, reach out to that program, like Google the school, Google that program and look at the faculty and email them and ask mm. like could i visit your class sit in on a class or meet with you to learn more about this program because i'm applying for it or i got in and would like to learn more about it um and that was super helpful because i got to visit san jose state um and see their industrial design classes um i got to pass through their studios and see the projects and it was super cool like if i were if i would want to consider like learning something else that would be something i'd like to look into um and i visited santa cruz well no i didn't visit i visited santa cruz's campus but not their program but i visited some art schools like california college of the arts i got to take a tour and see all the different cool things on their campus and what classes that they offered um i applied to fitum which is the fashion institute mm-hmm. of design and merchandising mm-hmm. um and i got to um see those classes as well and see what that was like and get like talk to the faculty and then i visited davis in their design program um and got to sit in on a few classes actually with some of the students there and that was um, after you emailed the yeah so this was after i got this was after i got acceptance letters um so I could like really take make more serious decisions. Uh, damn, you took the initiative <laughs> to actually like make a decision. It was. More I don't on- know a lot of people <laughs> who like will visit, especially yeah. even email the faculty of their specific major. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people who did it. Okay, I did that because I was so lost. Uh-huh. That's why. Uh-huh. So I was like scrambling to find some answer and that's one thing that like i am someone who wants to ask a lot of questions because like i don't know and so um i so davis was one that really caught my eye somehow because the first time i visited was just a normal campus tour before my senior year started and that was the only campus that i visited and i don't know why like we did that school before my senior year but i felt like that was the school that i wanted to go to even though I've never visited any other school. (laughs) Um, And so I'm like, okay, after I get acceptances, then I'll do more in-depth visits. And um, once I visited the Davis, like, 
design classes themselves and got to speak um to some of the teachers and like see how like even ask some advice like my dad went with me and he would ask sometimes like some of the students there and like we'd get like a better idea of what the classes were like um that gave me a better idea of what the space was like because I had to see myself like could I see myself there for the next four years um and studying this for the next four years um and deep down like when it came to the decision like I really wanted to do design at Davis um and my dad was uncomfortable with that. <laughs> he that was actually going to be one of my next questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, visiting, I'm surprised looking back, like he even allowed me to visit art schools like uh, FITM and CCA. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, oh, these are so like fascinating, like exciting because it's just art. But he's like, no, like so persistent, persistent of like, hard no um because especially he's coming from an uh, engineering background oh, yeah. right <laughs> yeah um and so there's like no possibility to study anything else because it was an art school um and so he wanted me to choose a public school because then like there was a chance for me to change <laughs> major mm-hmm. so because i wanted to do davis for design he was like okay you can choose that if you minor in computer science and I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll try that. <laughs> but then um, I was, and I already like submitted, like to confirm that I wanted to go to that school. And then like maybe a couple days or a couple weeks, um, he said, oh, why don't you maybe consider Santa Clara for business? And I was confused because I already confirmed that I was going to go to Davis. Um, so that really like made me more stressed like that was a diff like my senior year in high school was a really like trying time Uh, what year did you graduate high school 2012 2012 so um because it was putting me on all the stress of like what do i like what do i do like am i gonna disappoint them if i don't choose like a certain route or like am i a bad person for choosing something that i want to do like passionately um because Santa Clara, I would live at home. I wouldn't be dorming. Um, and I would be studying business. And it sounded stable mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. a more conventional choice to compared to design major. Um, closer to home, a more stable like, I, like job prospects versus design. Like My parents don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was, it's not like so far. It's like an hour and a half drive away from where I live. Um, so Davis, hour and a half. Yeah, to Davis. For, yeah, for me, from San Jose Malpitas area. Mm-hmm. An Was hour it and an half? hour from here? <laughs> I yes, it's an hour and a half one way. If there's really? no traffic, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be at least two from San Jose. Um, San Jose is more south from Milpitas, so oh, it's like yeah, okay, so it could okay, be okay. two. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but. So Davis was, I definitely want to go to Davis because um, I wanted to live away from home because I was so sheltered and like I always stayed at home. I didn't go out Um, and I wanted, I knew like deep down I needed to do something by myself Um, 
and do something that I wanted to do passionately, which was design. Um, and even then, I still didn't really have an idea. Like, I thought it was just website design. Even though I sat <laughs> in those classes, like, I didn't know what design meant. Um, really? You went in thinking it was a lot of website design? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, actually, um, when I was applying, my dad um, had shown me opened my eyes to industrial design mm -hmm. the industrial designer of apple um johnny ives and um i was looking into it and it was cool like he did have some support for me in that way like looking up and trying to help me figure out like what i could apply for um and like he loves apple and like computers <laughs> and all that stuff so um he i guess he found something that like fused something stable but something creative um, and that was cool for him to do and I was like talking to my teacher and so when it came down to D Davis and Santa Clara like he was trying to push me to choose Santa Clara and it was so stressful like I was trying to figure out like what what I should decide and then my mom was telling me to like just go and do um, what your dad is telling you to do and then like your cousins like she was, she was like this too they were like this like they draw like outside of school but they like did the you know conventional like nursing or whatever um they're in the philippines um and it was like hard to hear because there was no one else that i could talk to mm. um like i didn't know who else i could like open up to in this way and like what i was feeling and so it came down to like one night where I'm like, I gave up, like, okay, I'll choose Santa Clara. And um, it was like a conversation with my dad and um, he was like, are you sure? And then I was like silent knowing like really deep down, like, no, like, no, I want to go to Davis. And I was crying, like it was so hard. Um, and um, he, he could see like that was tough. <laughs> to choose um and so he's like okay you can go to davis if you minor in computer science <laughs> <laughs> and so fast forward first year like i'm in an intro to the design class ge's and then intro to computer science and like the first couple days like cool like okay this is new like big like 200 lecture hall like 200 seats in a lecture hall like all these things and moving to a new city um alone and it was exciting um but once like we got more into the quarter like i could not comprehend what was going on in that computer science class <laughs> like that was tough and i was getting a lot of help from my dad quarter system Davis. Mm -hmm. yeah um and the second quarter like i didn't know what to do like okay i'll take I'll take the next one. Um, and so a few other classes and then the second computer science class in winter quarter of my first year in Davis. That was the worst time <laughs> of my college life. <laughs> because of the computer science Oh, class? yeah. That was like, for it to be in the winter too, when you, I just don't feel like, like, I guess productive or like there's like less light in the, like during the day yeah. and all these things. What month is um, winter quarter? I believe January through oh, okay, okay. March. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so yeah, that was tough because it was like on another level of something that I couldn't grasp. And I was trying so hard. Like I felt like I was drowning when I looked back on it because I was um, going to the extra hours to get help from the TA. Mm -hmm. I luckily had found like someone I could like talk to and text on the side to like work together um and like would 
go to office hours to talk to the professor and I would like call my dad and ask for help from him um and all these like everything that I could like think of to try to grasp the concepts during this class but it was just something that I couldn't comprehend um and it was just another level that I couldn't take on and um I remember there was like a midterm review session um I was sitting in the lecture hall and I was trying to like scramble to like learn what I could even though like I was already lost um and I started like it might have been a mini panic attack I don't know like I couldn't breathe really well for a moment and I was like what's <laughs> like I was kind of scared um and I think it was because or I'm pretty sure it was because like I was stressed out like I I didn't know like what to do I've never been um I've never struggled that hard in a class before because I was so used to doing pretty well in high school so for me mm -hmm. to struggle in college and it was my first year in a class that I just couldn't comprehend but I knew that I had to do it because my dad said I had to <laughs> like it freaked me out but I'm like and as the more time went on like I wasn't hanging out with friends like because I was trying to like finish an assignment um it was it was like a tough time um and so there was a point where um my parents were visiting me um maybe like three-fourths um, through the quarter. Um, and they, like, I, I was thinking, like, I have to tell them I can't do this anymore. So the night before they came, like, I was in bed. I couldn't sleep because I was thinking of all these scenarios of how I would bring it up to them. And every scenario would end terribly. And I was so <laughs> oh scared. God. So for the actual scenario that ended up, like, I was, like, I couldn't believe that happened. So when like we had dinner like they were gonna leave and go home um but I was in the car and I didn't leave yet to go back to my dorm and then I told them like like I I said like I can't do computer computer science anymore and then I started breaking down and crying in the car and like it was just my parents um and they I guess like they didn't see it coming because they were like okay we're gonna go home but um I started crying <laughs> and so um they they could feel like they probably could feel like this was there's something wrong because like I don't do that I don't uh -huh. cry, yeah. um, and uh, so I was saying like it was so stressful like I can't do it anymore like it's like all these things that were affecting me and my dad like I was so scared for what my dad would say um, like oh my gosh am I disappointing them am I not like what am I gonna do um, and so he said like. Like, I don't want you to feel this way anymore. Like, I, as long as you are happy, like, just work hard on whatever it is that you choose to do. Just work hard at it. Um, and, like, that lifted a huge load off my shoulders, off my chest. Like, is this, this, it felt like a miracle. Like, wow, I could, like, do what I want. Like, I, and compared to other people I've heard, like, I really am blessed to yeah. be able to have that happen to me. You're not mad? You're not, you're not, yeah. you're not, what? Yeah, so um, I just had to go through those two tough quarters. I had to finish the class. Um, I was able to pass, but like I, it was I was just looking forward to like the next quarter. Like I didn't have to do it anymore. <laughs> um, and so yeah, so they were walking me back towards my dorm, and my dad like stopped me again to like reassure me and like basically say the same thing again. Like I want you to be happy, and um, whatever you choose to do, just work hard at it. Um, and that like stuck with me throughout my time in college, like 
from then on like i wanted to prove that i took that i'm taking design seriously so mm. whenever design opportunity i could find like i'm going to try to exercise my creativity that way so i was involved with the film community um in davis and whatever like design needs they had like i i reached out like oh can i do that can i help out design this flyer or like this t-shirt mm. or whatever like i was gonna do everything that i could i applied as like the publicity chair or like help out with pcn and i designed their um branding for that um one year and like everything that i could do and then like um i found an internship in a really cool space um that how that um did events for underrepresented communities on campus um and i got to have the full-time position my last two years there and so as a designer and so like i wanted everything like design focused while i was at davis to prove myself or not even to prove myself but to prove to my dad specifically like this isn't just a hobby like i'm serious and i want to show you that i'm taking this seriously were so, you showing him the design things that you would be doing um like, actually i don't think <laughs> as much as i really <laughs> should have um i don't even know if i showed any projects maybe like the first like few small assignments in the beginning but then um i was just like focused and busy and like school was happening um maybe like they would visit every pcn so i was excited to let them know that i designed um, my third pcn um that year um i did the shirts and the program so uh. they got to see that um, you did pcn almost every year yeah every year <laughs> you did every year PCN? Yeah, Dope. yeah um and so but they didn't see like my work with like my my part-time job and the work that i did there like I don't think, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> show them much, but um, sometimes I'd come home with, like, the t-shirts that I designed, mm. um, and I'd let them know, and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, so I did as much as I could design-wise on campus, um, and I knew I wanted to double major, and so that that's where technocultural studies came in, um, and then I graduated, and yeah, so I, yeah. <laughs> How did you get now into like this, your full-time position? Because mm -hmm. you are working within a creative field. Mm -hmm. And that actually is not, is one of the fears of a lot of people who go into like creative majors mm -hmm. or even the parents of um, folks who want to do something creative professionally. Because it's not the most uh, lucrative yeah. and the most like the job market isn't always as stable, yeah. but now you are in something. Mm -hmm. Um, so well, where are you, where are you at now and how do you get that? Like, what's the journey towards mm -hmm. that? So, um, after graduating, I took some time off or to not do anything like productive, I guess, <laughs> like to, to rest yes. and to like sleep yes, and yes. get sleep back. And like, I was doing so much that like the first few weeks of summer vacation after graduating college and being done with school, um, I would like go to sleep thinking like, cause I would always go to sleep during college. Like, okay, I have to do this, 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 and this tomorrow, next week, next month. Um, but after graduating the first few weeks of summer, I was like going to sleep. I was like, I don't, do I have to do anything? No. Why? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have nothing planned to do. So it was really strange for me to have nothing, no responsibilities. Um, so I was learning how to rest again and learning and um, just like enjoying that time. And so 
it wasn't until like sometime in the summer maybe like july august i was working on my portfolio um and putting creating a website to show off my design work to apply because for designers we need um a website to show like what we've done and what mm. our skill set is mm. um yeah so that's what i was working on and my first job was a was in a part-time internship for a um makeup brush company in san jose and so i was doing that um three days a week and um that was an interesting experience because it was like a really small space and a really small creative team kind of like a startup in a way um and um it was cool to learn like as the first step um out of college but i realized from there i don't want to go into cosmetics <laughs> or um that field so just from that experience it like i used to like watching youtube makeup artists and all those people and stuff or you yes. put your hand in front yeah. and help it focus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i love watching those things in high school and college and I'm like i'll go back to them but like it's not as exciting for me or like um why, I'm not why, into why? It. <laughs> what, what shifted because of um, this job so we would um collaborate with other youtube gurus um and like i wasn't in charge of it i would i wasn't i was a design intern so i would create the social media graphics for instagram facebook and stuff um and that was like my main thing um and emails um they really liked how i designed emails so that's i would do the newsletters and so um i would like like the space was so small like you knew what everyone was doing um like sometimes i would help with packaging the products to mail them out to so um creative team they would reach out to pr for our products to youtubers um and just like what they would say about the youtubers and like these little like facts about them that they, they that what is impressive to learn about um if you are in that field like um to be successful and let's say promoting your product you really need to know who your client not client but like who you're collaborating with like this youtuber's um best friend is this person or this is their favorite candy let's throw this candy into like our gift bag mm. to like offer them or whatever so it was interesting to learn like how that um function behind the scenes because um that was that was interesting to me um because i was like watching these youtube videos so, so to hear like the back um, the behind the scenes of like the PR teams working with them was cool and they went to beauty conventions and stuff but just like it was this um superficial like feeling of how like this industry and mm -hmm. um this judgment of like what these women look like and it made sense because it was like a cosmetics industry and like um how we would market to them or like it was just like this thing that I realized is I don't vibe with. Mm. Um, I need something more like genuine and more like, like, yeah, a more genuine, like, um, creative process and environment. Um, and that's not what was fulfilling me. And I was doing the same type of work, like every time it came in. And so it became like, um, very monotonous work. And I was trying to like push myself creatively and, um, and it was cool. Like it wasn't a toxic space at all. Like I've been fortunate enough to not have experienced that yet. Um, 
but yeah like it wasn't something that I wanted to stay in for a while and that was like a seven month seven month um term um but I was there only three times a week and so once that was over like I was like I knew when it was going to end so like as it was nearing to end I was like looking for other places um and I was like applying to all these other spots and getting some interviews and whatnot but then um I randomly applied on Kaiser's website so I just went to Kaiser Permanente's website went to their job listings typed in design and saw oh there's a design intern and I applied through there not expecting to hear anything back because it's like it's a big like um company like I'm not gonna I'm never I'm just gonna do it so um like a few weeks maybe I don't know how long passed but um I thought like I thought I was gonna stay with the um cosmetic the makeup brush company because a lot of the interns like ended up like becoming full-time but they told me that they were doing a lot of like transition work that they started letting people go and um I already knew my time my term was going to end so I thought I was going to go on full time, but there was a lot of transition. So I didn't end up like staying. And I thought that was like devastating. Like, I d- what am I going to do? Um, but I did hear back from Kaiser. Um, and that was like was so wild to me. Like I got an email about it um, asking for a phone interview. And so I did that and I was like, OK, I don't think I could I'm going to the next step like that. That was cool, but I don't know. Um, but then eventually I got an in-person interview. Um, so I went over to Oakland, met with who would have been like my boss during my internship time um, and met with him and showed my work and whatnot and did the interview thing and then left and like, well, that's super cool. But again, like I really don't think I'm going to get it. Um, and then I hear back that I got it. And I was like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, I got this internship. Um, And I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I thought, okay, I'm going to work with him in this, like this cubicle space, um, maybe with like a small team and do design work with them. But um, so when I did end up getting it, so I ended my internship with this makeup brush company from October 2016 to April 2017. And then it was June twenty June of that year, I started my internship. So I had like a month break mm-hmm. in between. Um, and it was a summer college program, but they also accepted recent graduates. So I had just graduated college. Um, and so it was like a really, uh, I, I love the program. So I really highly recommend people to look into Kaiser's internship program. Um, and they accepted people with different backgrounds. Like, I was one of two design interns, but there were other um, people who were studying computer science, business, journalism, communication. Um, and so it was really cool to see this variety of students come in and be a part of this program. And so um, I went in, and the first day was an orientation. And it was a very structured internship program. And it was really cool. It was like being back in college, kind of, because it was like a very structured um, type of event with um, different speakers every so often from corporate. Um, we would have like a workshop, so like LinkedIn workshop and professional development workshops. Was um, the whole intern program design? No, so it was... Um, so how it was structured is that 
there would be times where we would meet all together as a cohort and there was maybe like 40 or so 50 of us um and then like after we would do like our big cohort like workshops or like we would attend these speaker events we had our um, individual internship times with our own teams Mm. so some of us were based in Oakland, some were in Pleasanton, and some were in um, Willow Glen, I think, um, or Walnut Creek. And so I was lucky that I was based in Oakland because a lot of the main events, they all had to come to Oakland to do it. So I didn't have to like move yeah, or anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, so after like we would be done with like big group stuff, our day to day was really with our own team. So who had interviewed me in person was like my boss technically and I was like in one building in one floor um, and I had my own like designer like lead designer that I would work with and then there was like two other people that I would directly work with in that space um, and so I would basically assist my lead designer with whatever projects we had um, and it was cool I got to create some cool stuff um, and get to see the behind the scenes of um, the information technology sector or department of Kaiser in Oakland. Um, and so I got to design things like flyers and um, PowerPoint presentations, um, um, giveaways for the different departments, like events, so like a mouse pad or like um, tote bags and stuff mm. like that. So it was pretty cool to do different things and learn about the Kaiser branding. Um, and one of the big, one of the projects I got to do um, that was actually outside of my team, but my lead designer had shared it with me like, oh, my intern could like help out with this was a bring your child to work day event. Mm. And so I was working with someone on a different team on that, in that building. That was the one on that. your portfolio yeah. online, right? So yeah. I got to help. Um, I basically branded that event and designed like flyers and posters, t-shirts. I volunteered to photograph that event. Um, and that was really fun to do in the beginning, um, to brand, um, something with the Kaiser brand and, um, get to see it actually used. Um, and it was just fun to be among like the employees, kids and. So you went from like a small makeup, mm -hmm. small company to like a big. A corporate. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun, um, because I got to experience like the, the, um, I guess perks of like corporate of a corporate like job of Mm, being mm -hmm. in a nice space and um the the luxuries of the internship program itself because they were giving away all these goodies (laughs) um like free water bottles and tote bags and all the and t-shirts and whatever um we would go on little field trips to let's say the data center or um uh an innovation center the garfield innovation center which was really cool because we got to see um, how Kaiser was going to was um, doing research on how they could innovate like technology or robots to help out in their different facilities um, mm. or improve the hospital rooms with whatever it is. Um, so it was cool to learn more about the about Kaiser in that way and hear from speakers. I was like, oh, these are probably going to be like stuffy old like corporate people, but they were really cool and really um, friendly to chat with Um, and just see all these behind the scenes um, behind this big company that like my family, my family uses Kaiser. So it was really cool um, to be 
to see all this um and like uh, things you don't really think about yeah you don't really think of design and how aesthetics are put together when you go to like a kaiser yeah right and um because i was a design intern like i thought um i should really take advantage of this and connect with other designers in kaiser as a way to potentially see if there's any job openings because i know this internship has a finite term like it's going to end after a few months um and so i used linkedin and i typed in it's like basically what i did when i was applying to colleges i typed in um design kaiser oakland to see like who was in that area because where i was located there's like three different kaiser buildings um and so and it was walking distance if I wanted to like meet other people so I would like take note of their emails and what positions and like where they were located and what like their designer web designer whatever um and I would ask them oh hey I'm a design intern in Oakland with this department I'd love to learn more about your work um would you be interested in like meeting for coffee or something to chat and I got quite a lot of people who were like very interested to meet with me and it was really cool um interesting (laughs) you're good at reaching out again it's out of curiosity and not knowing things so um i did that and i got to see like i'm so glad i did because i would have never known what was going on in kaiser and just in oakland like they're doing really different things um so for instance there's a team um uh who's focused on I believe the app for Kaiser and just um and I got to travel to the Pleasanton office and meet with him and like learn more about their team and what they're doing and then another group or another person I got to learn about that I was super interested in her work was the um I forget the the innovation center I think that could be totally wrong but um it was like one a few streets away from where I was so that was walking distance um and I got to meet with her and it was work that I that kind of ties in with one of my projects that you had mentioned earlier the social work Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. yeah um where they took where their process was doing a lot of research um and doing a lot of prototypes to apply to whatever problem or whatever they were trying to um, solve. So it could have been the solution as an app or something else. Um, And so it was cool to be in that space because that's something that was brought up during one of my classes in college. So to see it like in a company, in a real company Mm -hmm. and like see it in person and get to talk to someone was really cool um to see like their space and their huge mood boards and like all their research and like get to know um see where they're working and kind of talk to the people who are there and they were like really chill and really friendly um website designers i got to meet um just like all over the place or like people who are doing the designs for like flyers and stuff um, for promo materials that would be like sent around, I think, at least within Oakland, I think. Um, and so I got to see so many different people, even a corporate designer, presentation designer. She she isn't as much of a designer as she is like now in corporate. And she was telling me her story um, as a Mexican-American woman um, with, as a single mom with kids, she was telling me her story of how, like, she knew, like, even though she was, like, a designer, she knew to get hired, 
up in um the professional field she needed an mba and like her experience of like going through that and like her background as a designer was super valued because her presentations looked better um and people her classmates would ask her to like work with her because she was doing really well in that um it was cool to learn more about her story um but she was a designer but she had an mba um yeah so she she was doing creative work um it might have been like advertising i don't remember but she was doing more creative work um before but she knew to get higher um for her family as a single parent um she knew that she needed to get an mba to get higher in the corporate field um and so that's what she did and she t- uh, told me about that experience and like where she is now and she's like super high up within that kaiser um field department um and doing a lot of like presentation work and like working with other teams it was just very interesting and eye-opening to see like different facets of kaiser and different types of designers and what they were doing and really mm-hmm. opened my eyes up to there's more in design than like i knew interesting it sounds yeah. like you like hearing the stories of people and like yes. especially on the individual <laughs> yeah. level like mm-hmm. and you you like seek that out yeah and stuff um and a lot of the questions that i ask in brown papaya for the long interviews like i asked these designers at kaiser like what was your career journey like and how did you get mm. here and what is your inspiration when you get stuck and um all these different things because i wanted to learn from these people who are professionals in their field and they're already set in their um professional life like i would like to get to that so like how did what what are things that inspired you or how did you get to where you are now so i could try to get to that um and so i did a lot of that to um take advantage of the time i had as a design intern um and as and i also had the opportunity to do a group presentation presentation to the cio of kaiser at the end of the um, program and it's something that the participants had to apply and um um what's it called apply and apply for and um kind of interview for like you had to do a practice speech to be considered to be part of that um and so i'm like that sounds like a lot of work i don't think i want to do it (laughs) but i'm like i i should I should just do it to see like if I could get in or not. And then I got in. I'm like, oh, now I have to do the work. <laughs> and so it was a group present a group project, and it was cool because they would fly in interns from different locations. So in my group, it was three. It was two of us in Oakland, one from Pleasanton. So we were in California, and then one from Colorado and one from Atlanta. Damn. Yeah. So a lot of the groups were like mixed, and so. They would there were two or three moments where they would fly them in like the first meeting where we would like do the initial like planning of what we were going to do and then the second time was i think like the actual presentation but we would do a lot of work like online to collaborate um and so we would all have different topics that we had applied for like ranking in order and what our group ended up being was um how we were going to um increase the representation of kaiser permanente recruiters on college campuses to get like more a more diverse workforce Mm. a younger workforce um 
into Kaiser. Um, and so we would do research and um, work together. And I had my own part, but I also ended up being the design presentation designer because I was already doing that within my department. Um, and so we all worked together to do that. And that was really cool because it gave us that experience. We had like a mentor assigned to us to check in with us um, and to review our work. And it was really cool because there were designated dates where we had to meet a deadline and make sure we finished this part of our research or presentation and presentation practices where we would present to like our um, internship program directors. Um, and they really prepare you for that big presentation at the end of the program. So by the time it was the end, like August is near the end of the program, that's when the CIO presentation is. So the CIO of Kaiser is there, and then the iTech team, which Chief is like... Chief and something officer. What's Chief that? information officer? Uh, I believe I might be wrong with that, but um, yeah, so it wasn't just him, but also like... Um, other corporate heads and whoever else wanted to like we could invite our um team so i had invited my boss and my lead designer and then so it was cool to like see a room full of maybe like a hundred or so people um here like a few groups of um these college and recent grads um speak to kaiser or to the cio and they had told us that some of these ideas um like we had to take it seriously because sometimes like he would take it the CIO would want to take on those ideas and actually implement them and so um we presented and it was a really cool experience to do such a big thing um and like after a few weeks like our group was called in um by the recruit I forget what their um name is but by the people who do recruiting for colleges and take care of all that they wanted to call us in to have another meeting because they wanted to um get um ask us more about our ideas because they they were really serious about like trying to improve their system get more diverse background um of interns and how could they best um cater uh, recruit on campuses and like what could they do and so that was so validating and exciting for our group to be called back by these people to um have a conversation with us and so once the main internship program ended like they had these set events and all these things then i was actually fortunate enough to have my internship extended yeah. with my team and so i was just with them now but now that all of those activities and that presentation ended um i had a lot less work um and so i had a lighter workload and had more time to think and then brown papaya came into my mm. head and then but then i was also applying and um i got a job offer at an art and design magazine and i was like thinking do i want to stay because uh, in hopes of getting a full-time job with Kaiser or do I want like the for sure stability of a full-time job and I ended up choosing the job because it was much closer to home because with Kaiser it was like an hour and a half to two hour commute going one way um, whereas now it's only like 30 to 45 minute drive to work one way so a lot of time is saved and um, I wanted to get a full-time job and that was my full-time job because I know a lot of places when I was applying, they ask you to be in a place for like a year, two, three years. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I'm at now. What, 
what year um, did this idea come from? Um, the um, Brown Papaya. When I was this? When you were working with Kaiser? I started um, developing ideas for Brown Papaya October 2017. Mm. Yes. And then when was your launch in the Sunkist event? Um, so I finally put out the magazine September 2018 mm. because I didn't want to hit the one year mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I got it out in September. And then the event was in October. Mm. Yeah. Um, where are you working now? What's the magazine and what do you do? So the magazine is called Communication Arts Magazine. Um, and so I'm a design uh, and production associate. And so it's another like, so this team is like an in-between of my two internships. So it's a well-established magazine, but it's a small team. And so, and I've heard about this magazine too, actually, beforehand. And um, some of the designs I've talked to in Kaiser, like they know about this magazine. So it was really exciting to be going into something that was a really well-known publication. So I had in my head, like the stereotype of like, you know, a fashion magazine that's a really huge team and like super fast paced and stressful, but it's totally the opposite. And it's a really... Um, nice environment where there's like four or five dogs there every day <laughs> really? yeah um and uh it's very family oriented because half of the team is like is family so <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so the owner his dad started the magazine in 1959 and his wife which is my boss's mom is still there i think she's in her 90s she's still doing work she's an editor and like i still work with her to like do stuff so she's doing work <laughs> and um, my boss he's a son of the two founders um his daughter is my manager and his um and her husband is working there too it is a family and, yeah and then my boss's two siblings are working there really? so yeah but then the other half aren't family like me yeah. um and it's pretty cool to have like a very um casual like i could wear like i dressed up at kaiser like the typical corporate like um you know like nice pants and yeah. button up but so it was weird to transition out of that because everyone was wearing jeans and sweaters and sneakers and i felt dressed up in the beginning so i now dress have dressed down um to do that um and so as a design and production associate i work directly with my art director and we're like the main art team like that's it and then there's my boss who's like the head designer and editor but like it's really me and my art director who's the art team and so i do work um digital and print work to promote the magazine subscription for people to buy it as well as promoting competitions that we host so we host um photography illustration um design advertising um and interactive design competitions so whoever wins in those competitions end up in our magazine and it's like super prestigious Dope. um because whenever i like because i on my production side like i'll reach out to these people that we feature to make sure they submit all their work in on time um they're always so excited to be a part of it like it's a worldwide um publication and worldwide um competitions and we host um these six competitions every year um and so yeah i would create like designs to promote those things um 
and these ads might appear in the magazine they might be like postcards sent to schools or posters um or digital graphics um to be posted on our website or on our social media uh, so that's the design aspect of it and then i'll also work with my art director to like check pages of um the magazine so to make sure like in detail like i can see if there's an extra space between the last letter in a sentence and a period mm. like my sister like i'll look over a resume of hers and she's like how did you see that oh, and it's just not, like it's the, trained already yeah like, like i never noticed that when i was first doing it so i had like a lot of corrections i had to do again but now i can spot that um oh. yeah <laughs> and so but like double space in front of a space I'm in front of the oh, period. period. Yeah, yeah, like I could see that. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> I know. That's a very specific <laughs> skill. It really <laughs> is. But it's, as a designer, you really need to have that eye for detail. Oh. Like my boss, like he has even a stronger eye. So it, my art director might not catch it, but then he'll catch something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I not have caught that? Like, of course. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, so I would check, like, for instance, in, like, my art director would create pages and put in the final text. Like, our, I work with our editors, too, and they put in, they send me the final text of a spread. And then I would, like, make sure that the lines um, fit our standard of, like, hitting, like, the edge of the page mm -hmm. or something, making sure that, um, like, the letter A isn't like at the end of a sentence it can't be at the end of, end of a sentence it has to be like on the next line um or, or all these little details like i have to make sure that everything's fixed to our standards um yeah and then reach out to the people that we feature and get their artwork so you were working there already when you printed when yeah. you did this magazine. actually it was like at the same time so i was as i was transitioning out of kaiser into the magazine um, I was developing this and was already starting. Like I, the first photo shoot was October twenty nine, um, and I was already just started my my job at the magazine. Uh, so everything I was doing dope. was parallel, and it wasn't even like on purpose. Like yeah. everything just ended yeah. up being like um, matching in that way. And then the work that I was doing with Fly the Fly Panize Leadership Summit um, of like doing logistical things and like organize organizing things like with google drive and all that was what i was doing <laughs> to organize the photo shoots and the interviews and all these things so everything that i was doing outside of work or like outside of the magazine was like parallel to my project so mm. yeah so what do you see in the future for brown papaya um probably like i i didn't expect for people to want more iterations of the project i was like okay i'm gonna do this project and then i'll go on to the next thing like once this is over that's over um but as it kept building people were wanting more and that was really cool but also this responsibility i feel like on me to create more um but it's exciting because now i've like set up this brand um and so it could be a different um narrative or experience that mm -hmm. i could explore or um, in-person events so that I could like focus more on like conversations and host like maybe panels or activities um, or I don't know what else, but it could be those things. And then that was one of the questions I had asked on my panel actually at Sunkiss um, 
where did they see brown papaya going and they had like thrown out like these huge ideas and i was like whoa that's so cool but also really scary that you could think that for me mm. <laughs> like one person had said um i could see this becoming an art installation at like moma or something mm. and like seeing images like moving images of these different women um with like yeah all these things and i was like oh my gosh i've never thought of that but that's really cool but i don't know yeah, if i could do yeah. that but yeah so just i i want to like typically i work in that i allow the inspiration to come to me and not like forcing it like um and really mulling it over like does it stay with me or is it was it just like a quick idea that like comes and then it'll go and like mm, i probably won't do it like if it sticks with me for a while um then i know like that's what i want to do like mm. like that technique or that topic or that theme like if it's stuck with me for a while like okay i've thought about this in different ways and for a while i'll i think i'll do i think i'll tackle it and like see what i could do um so right now i don't want to like push round papaya anything and i'll like focus on other things um and see because i've been thinking about other brown papaya stuff like as i was making this first one so i'll see like what does bubble up and stay with me and see from there dope um coming to more of the end i like asking mm -hmm. what are three pieces of advice that you would give to either your younger self mm -hmm. or someone who is similar going through um, those different stages of mm -hmm. creativity um, and little, what are little tidbits of guidance? Mm -hmm. So to my younger self, one, I would tell her um, that it's okay to be, um, to be quieter and that you shouldn't feel ashamed for being that way because that perspective and the experiences you go through as someone who is a quieter person um is going to be incredibly value valuable when you're older mm. to be able to empathize with other perspectives and other experiences um and to embrace that trait of yours Another piece of advice I would say to my younger self is to to focus on your hobbies and yourself and your interests, no matter how eccentric or different they might be. Because when you work on yourself, you're going to attract the friends that deserve you for who you are instead of trying to shape yourself into something you think you need to be. So focus on your hobbies and what feeds you and and nourishes you and like focus on like what truly inspires you and those people that are meant to be in your life will be drawn to you. Mm. And then the third piece of advice would be to myself to practice your creativity openly and not like a side hobby that's only going to be a side hobby practice your creativity um op uh, open-heartedly and um not like you need to hide it like because that's how i felt like oh, i'm just doing this for fun but it's not gonna go anywhere mm. 
So I wish that I did practice my creativity and random projects um, with more of a focus because I feel like I didn't have that going into design. Like I feel like I wasn't creative enough or like with enough background um, or practice. So if whatever you're interested in or inspired by, whether it's creative or whether it's in sciences or whatever, or like business or like education, if that's been feeding you since you were young, then focus on that and see where that goes. Mm. On that note, could you share one more piece? (laughs) Sure. I think that was a perfect segue. I couldn't. If you said your advice was to be open and share, I was like, this is a time to open and share if we're going to close it out. We need to have another piece. Okay, so I will share one that I also have posted on Instagram. By the way, your aesthetics on the Instagram with the poetry and prose is clean. Thank I you. I really like it with these. These were very clean. I, I appreciate like, it. Thank good. you. Good with the multi usage <laughs> of the multi slide too. I think that was a really good usage of multi slides when I seen this. I was like, this girl is a designer. <laughs> wow! Thank like, you so much. <laughs> okay, so this one is called Chance of Rain. Chance of Rain. Mm-hmm. Hi. Um. Hello. Just wanted to give you a warning about myself. Just a little disclaimer. Nothing serious. Ready? Alright, so. I rub my thumbnail against my index finger sometimes. You may not even notice it, but in those moments, my mind is racing or my heart is racing or sometimes both are racing. Racing together, but sometimes racing to beat the other. Lately, I grind my teeth. Well... More like I clench my molars against each other and won't realize it until my jaws feel sore. A tight jaw means a shut mouth. A shut mouth means a closed airway. A closed airway means a quiet me. My jaw has been sore for a while now. I sometimes forget to breathe when I'm driving. Isn't that impossible, you might ask? You'd think a survival instinct would come so naturally that this sounds like an anomaly. Am I subconsciously trying to subvert my existence? Singing is the only medication that brings air into my lungs, that keeps me calm and focused on the road, that keeps my blood flowing to my heart. I sing to myself every day. Some days are worse than others. Then there are those that feel like a dark hole I can't climb out of. Or the other days when it feels like a too bright spotlight following me everywhere. All I feel are pairs of eyes burning into me. Let me be, let me back into the dark hole. Hey, I don't know if you're still there listening, but I just wanted to let you know most of my days these days have been amazing days, productive days, social days, inspired days. Feeling myself days, loving days, thoughtful days. The forecast reveals a sunny season this time around. If you haven't stepped out the door yet, would you like to hold my hand despite the chance of rain? Mm, snaps. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
You should do a podcast. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Oh my our, gosh. Like record those little poems. I think it would be cool. Um, how can people get in contact with you? Yes. Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram, Unconventional Bliss, U N C O N V E N T I O N A L B L I S S. And if they want to follow the Brown Papaya magazine, they can also go on Instagram or Twitter. That's Brown Papaya, B-R-O-W-N-P-A-P-A-Y-A. And also the website, brownpapaya.com. So, and my email should be on my Instagram as well, which is unconventionalbliss at gmail.com. Unconventionalbliss. Um, are you open to people reaching out to try collab and all that? Yes, I'm always down to hear um, other ideas from other creatives um, and just collaborating, see where that goes. Mm. Uh, what can people watch out for in the near future? Um, I guess... Hmm. <laughs> I don't know when, but whenever my design portfolio is done, uh, I would like to share it so that people can check that out. And then just keep an eye out if I do any um, call outs for any, if I wanted, if I might be collaborating or need to reach out to people who are interested to work with me. Um, But there are a lot of ideas in the air. So patience please and just keep an eye out and i will be doing something hopefully dope <laughs> any last shout outs call outs um, messages i i have a soft spot for young creatives um especially if they um aren't sure they want to do that professionally um and so really to them especially those in high school where they're thinking about applying to colleges and what they're going to do for the rest of their life it's okay to not know because i still don't know what area of design i want to do for the rest of my life and that's it's so cliche but it really is the journey that's part of it like this is where you get to experiment and explore and make mistakes and try out different things that interest you so um really reflect within yourself and look inside and like what feeds you what's what like what inspires you what do you what can you see yourself doing every single day that you could do for free and if you can do it for free and be okay with that then you know that's something you're passionate about um but keep working at whatever it is you're doing keep practicing at it and prove to others that you are serious about whatever it is you want to do mm, don't <laughs> snaps to that and reach out to isabel follow her example of searching people online (laughs) getting their emails stalk them online email them that's (laughs) that's honestly a very important piece of advice i highly recommend that like it's hard for me to even do that it's hard for people to be forward like that but it seems like it served you a lot so do that and reach out to Isabel. Make it yes. meta. Be like Matrix. It's like Inception of emails. Mm-hmm. And say that you learned how to do that from her while reaching out. And I, you are open for people to reach out and try to get even mentorship from you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Be, being yeah, a mentor. <laughs> imagine having a younger person from, like you just said, like yeah. you, you have a soft spot for young creatives. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's super important to reach out as like finding a mentor mm-hmm. that way i think yes. you can do that so 
I am down. I don't, I would be a learning experience because I've never really been a mentor. Um, but yes, if I always love sharing advice and hearing you out. So if you do have questions, whether you're younger or older than me, um, I am down to have conversations with you. Dope. Awesome. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you for inviting me. Woo. <laughs>